Thanks, Tracy. Thank you, Aaron. I feel like we need to give it up to Aaron. Y'all, he was in Tijuana all week and got back last night at like nine o'clock from... This guy built houses all week with a bunch of our teenagers and now he's leading worship, so thank you for that, Aaron. It's good to be back. I've been thrilled to see so many uh, faces that I've not uh, seen in a while, so thank you for the opportunity to be part of worship today, to share God's word with all of you. Uh, before we go any further into our time today, would you all just, everybody, take a breath, and uh, maybe I'm the only one that needs to take a breath, but um, bow your heads and let's pray together before we open God's word. Lord, thank you for the gift of your presence, for prayers, for music, for the privilege of being in this sacred space. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you teach us that we have your word and that we get to open it this morning and learn something from you, from your word. So bless this conversation that we have together. May the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, Lord, be pleasing to you. All of God's people together said, amen. Well, as most of us probably figured out when we woke up this morning, today is July 31st, the last day of July. And uh, some of us flip the calendar into August and it's like, oh, another month of summer. And others, um, I'm in this category, flip the calendar in August and just gulp because uh, school is coming and uh, fall is coming and all of these uh, things, these routines that we've pressed pause on for the last couple weeks are gonna come back in full force in just a couple more weeks. And this is the part of uh, my journey in the summer where I start to look back and go, wow, it's been a little busier than I thought it was going to be. And we've still got stuff we didn't do, but we've had a lot of adventures so far. We've had a lot of comings and goings in our house, vacations and mission projects and camps. And uh, as I had just said, Aaron was in Tijuana with our high school students. Our middle son went on that uh, Tijuana trip. And there's a lot of uh, preparations that go in sending people out into adventures of any kind. And this Tijuana trip was interesting. There were lots of meetings before uh, the trip would leave. There were multiple packing lists. There were lists of things to bring on the plane, lists of things to check in. As you might expect with teenagers, there was a list of things not to bring to Tijuana. And um, a lot of preparation to send this group group of students to do God's work in, um, in Tijuana. We've got other sendings happening in our family, and maybe some of you can relate to these. In just a few weeks, our youngest child, our daughter, will start high school. We will send her to high school. And there are lots of preparations that come with that, from PE locks to where you sit at lunch, to the books, to the anxiety and wondering, what is it going to be like when I go to high school? And then on the other end of that, our oldest is about to leave for college. And for our family, this has been the biggest sending of any of our children off to somewhere that we've ever had. And like any crazy mom would, I've been at Target and trying to figure out everything from comforters to sheets and a bunch of stuff that he doesn't care about at all. And multiple times has rolled his eyes at me like, mom, really? But what's hidden in that is actually a different list of questions, ones that my husband and I ask and wonder about, like, did we raise you right? <laughs> 
Are you going to be okay when you leave the house? Do you know how to find your way in the world? Do you know how to make good decisions? Do you know that God loves you? And do you love God back? Did we do our job as parents? We're about to find that out at some level. So what about you? What kind of sendings have you had this summer or maybe even this past year? Some of you have done something similar to us. Maybe you've sent a younger kid off to camp and said to them as you sent them, just take a shower once all week. That's all we need. Maybe change your clothes before you come home. Some of us have had more complicated sendings. Maybe you've sent a loved one out of state to get consultation from a medical expert. Maybe an experimental drug or a trial or something, one last try as someone you love has their health failing and you've sent them out to do that. I have some friends who've sent teenagers they love not to camp this summer, but to treatment programs and inpatient facilities because they're struggling with some stuff in their life. Some of you have sent friends or loved ones down an aisle to get married this summer, to be sent into a new life with their partner. And some of you have been sent into courtrooms to be with people who are tangled up in maybe a traumatic relationship. Sending is sacred. We do a lot of sendings in our life. We are sent and we are senders. And so today we're going to talk about the biblical practice of sending people. What happens if we love the Lord like many of us say we do and we take that energy and that love and we use it to send somebody off into whatever is coming next? What shape does that sacred moment take? How do we become people who recognize our own sentness by God and take that experience and use it to bless other people and to send them into the moments of their life where God is present, but they may not know it and they need your sending to help them be aware of it. Scripture is filled with stories of sending. Right at the beginning of the Bible, God creates the first human beings, he creates Adam and Eve, and he immediately sends them on a journey to bless and to build culture and to build a world that they can steward and they can share. God bless them, scripture says, and said to them, be fruitful, go, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I almost imagine like this giant sort of cosmic hand of God just sets them down and off they go, sent into the garden, into the world. And the story of God's people continues to unfold. And by Genesis 12, we have another sending. Some of you may recognize if you've um, been in church before. And it is the sending of Abram and Sarai, who later become Abraham and Sarah. And they're sent by God to a place they don't even know. God doesn't tell them where they're going. He gives them no details. He goes, he just says, go from your country your people and your father's household to a land I will show you. Go from everything you know, I'm sending you out. I will bless you, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. 
I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Throughout the Old Testament, God sends judges and kings and prophets and angels and messengers and ordinary people like you and I. He sends them, some of them into harrowing places to face giants or into fiery furnaces and lion's dens, places filled with dread, anxiety, and fear so thick you could clutch it. And God also sends people to places of abundance and joy and security like a land flowing with milk and honey. He sends people without safety and security into safe places. He sends people like Moses to lead armies and expeditions. The Hebrew word for sending, shalah, shows up 848 times in the Old Testament alone. God is a God of sending, and we are a sent people. Of course, as we know, God's sending continues into the New Testament. Jesus is the ultimate sending, the sending of God's Son to put flesh and bone on and walk through this world. God sends his Son to bring resurrection and redemption and justice and peace and to restore this world to what God wants it to be, that is the ultimate sending. And then Jesus himself, the stories of scripture are filled with Jesus sending people. Many times Jesus sends his followers off. One of his famous farewell words was shalom, peace. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In John 20, Jesus appears to his disciples after his death and grants them his peace. He's resurrected and he says, peace be with you. And then he sends them. As the Father has sent me, as I am a sent one, so I am sending you. We are made and shaped in this image with this way of being in the world in us. And throughout the letters of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he signs his letters off with um, farewells, with benedictions, with blessings, with sendings. One of the better known, we've said many times here at church ourselves, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God sends, God's people send, scripture is filled with with stories of sending. The well, passage we're going to look at today is about sending. It's Jesus and his preparation to send the disciples out. Just like we all, perhaps, who've sent a kid to camp or a loved one somewhere, give a list of things. This is Jesus' instructions as he sends the disciples out. And what's helpful to know is that at the very end of Matthew chapter 9, the verses right before our passage for today, Jesus is traveling, he's teaching, he's doing ministry, he's healing, he's, um, he's in conversations with people, there's crowds that are gathering around him where he goes, people come to him, they bring their sick, they bring their wounded, they bring their, their sad, their traumas, their tragedies, they're 
all coming, curiosity seekers and those who need healing, everybody's coming. And around Jesus is this sea of human need. And at the very end of chapter 9, Jesus says this, when he, or scripture says this, when he saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Maybe some of you have been in one of those seas. Maybe you're in a sea of chaos and you're, you're, you feel like you're in significant need. Some of us maybe have tried to help folks who are in situations and you, you step in to help somebody with one thing and then you kind of look up and you're just like, wow, the need is great. I don't know what program or prayer or thing in this world is ever going to make this that these people or yourself are facing okay. There's a tremendous amount of need in our world, and Jesus looks up and sees it. I have a friend who's a teacher. She said she feels like this every time she walks into the public high school where she teaches, and she just looks around at the chaos that it is to be an American teenager. And she's a person of faith, and so she just says a little prayer because the, the need is great. And Jesus looks and says, whew, there's a lot. And then chapter 10 starts. And scripture says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, facing this sea of need, and gives them authority to do something. To drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. Notice Jesus addresses the physical needs first. He doesn't launch with an evangelistic campaign or 10 steps to a perfect Bible study, as important as some of that stuff might be. He, he sends them out to meet physical needs first. And then he goes on after that and he gives this whole list because they've been with him for a while and he wants to know, are they able to execute his instructions? Is everything he poured into them going to be doable? I'm going to give you this list of instructions. We had a, a list of instructions happening at our house recently. Uh, that middle son who went to Tijuana, he, um, he got his driver's license this week. That was exciting, big stuff. And the next day, he's rummaging around the kitchen and he's looking for bagels. And he's like, I can't find a bagel. I want a bagel. And he's opening and closing drawers. He's opening cabinets where bagels aren't even always found. And he wants a bagel. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll add it to my grocery list. And then I was like, wait. <laughs> You have a driver's license. Why don't you go get your own bagels? And so he grabs the keys and he, he goes out and then it dawns on me, he's about to go out for the first time alone in a car. And so I'm like almost following out the door because there's been construction across the street from our house for a while and there's big work trucks parked. And so I'm like, you gotta crank the wheel hard to the left when you exit so you don't back into somebody and don't forget there's you know, carts in the parking lot at Jewel or whatever it might be. And I go through this list and I'm like following him out the door because does he have it all in his mind? He's been in the car with us for a while. Can he do it on his own? This is clearly in a much bigger way, a similar moment for the disciples. They have been with Jesus. They have listened to him teach. They have traveled to the towns and villages with him. They have camped along the roadways together. Obviously, as life goes, some of them probably got it quicker than others. But this is the moment where Jesus says, in this sea of need, the chaos of humanity, I, the one sent by God, am now going to send you out to do this. So he sends them out, and then he says, 
Scripture says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now it's interesting because the first thing Jesus does is set boundaries around where they're sent. So the Samaritans and the Gentiles were not Jewish and the disciples were Jewish and they were probably relieved at Jesus' instructions to them here. This is not to say that Jesus does not care about the Gentiles and the Samaritans. As we know later from Jesus' teaching, his love and his, and his call is for all people, all the people on earth. We see this in the Great Commission. But in this moment, Jesus is saying to the disciples, this is who you're going with. And they're probably like, Phew, we don't have to talk to those people outside of our community that we don't understand. We can focus on the people right here with us. This is where most of us are sent to. Some of us, yes, are sent to um, like mysterious, far away places. Some of you are sent to do God's work in places of the world, maybe in languages that some of us will never speak or hear. Most of us, our boundaries are pretty close to home. We're sent out to the people all around us that we interact with every day. We don't have to actually work too hard to find someone that we're sent to. Usually they're living in our home or down the street from us or in our apartment complex or whatever it is. And then Jesus goes on. He goes, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you must give. Proclaim the kingdom. Tell them about this way of life. Tell them about who I am and what I came to do. And to be clear, there were words used to proclaim. Some disciples would teach. Some would proclaim this verbally. A lot of them would also go back to what Jesus' other instructions were. Be with people. Heal, with, heal people. Sit with them with their very physical very real, tangible needs. Jesus does not send all of us out on a soap box. And some of us feel like in order to be sent or in order to proclaim something, we gotta stand up and shout it. And some of us may be called to that and in some situations that may work. But the reality is for most of us in our everyday life, we are called, we are sent to be present to people. We had a, um, kind of this quad on campus uh, during my undergraduate, and people would cross during, you know, passing periods on the college campus. And there was a guy that would dress up regularly in a cape with devil horns, grab a Bible, <coughs> excuse me, and stand on a box and preach, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he would take his cape and kind of do this. People mocked this guy. Some people dressed up like him for Halloween on campus. Maybe he got his message through. There may be someone who knows something of God because of this person. But the reality is this is not what we are called to. And there is a lot of shouting in our culture today. There is a lot of yelling. There are a lot of soapboxes stacked up everywhere. This is not what most of us are called to. The kingdom of heaven comes near when your neighbor or your friend is facing something that's really beyond them, and let's be honest, probably beyond you too. And maybe you jump in the car and you just grab their hand, put your arm on their shoulder, you're like, I think it's gonna be all right. We're gonna be okay. Maybe you don't say anything. You're just present with someone. 
you see them. And you bring a little bit of the kingdom of heaven that God has put in your heart and sent into you, and you bring it to them in that moment. It's a quiet presence. It's an honest presence. It is not giving platitudes or promising something that God never promised. It is being present with people, and the kingdom of heaven comes near. It's going to look more like those moments in your life. This is what it means to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near in most of our lives. Jesus goes on with his instructions. Do not get any gold or silver to take with you or copper, gold, silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, no extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. This is the list. It's going on. He's giving specific instructions. He's saying to them, you know what, pack light. This is a culture, a time in history where hospitality was a requirement of communities. Trust that process, trust the hospitality, trust that where I am sending you, you will be met, even if you don't know exactly where you're going. And if someone doesn't meet you, if someone doesn't bring the kingdom of heaven to you in your moment of need, mark that place, shake the dust off your feet. That was a way of saying mark that territory as place that was unwelcome for God. Go. Trust that I've got you as I send you. And this passage goes on. You can read more of it on your own. The same thing happens in Luke 10. Jesus gives a similar list of instructions. This time he's sending 72 people out. Matthew 28, we find the great commission. Therefore, I'm sending you, right? This is the great sending. Go and make disciples of all nations. And on the sending goes. Why does this matter? Why have a whole sermon on sending? What is it about sending that is significant? We must ask ourselves, you know, what is it I want you to know when we leave one another's presence? You know, when we send people we love to anything, whether it's somewhere far away or somewhere down the street. What, what do I want you to know when you leave my presence, when you leave my house? Why did Jesus want his disciples to be sent? Well, Jesus could have done it himself. Why did he send them out? He was God. Why did he send? Why did he send the Spirit then? After he left this world, he sends the Spirit to figure it out with us while He's gone. I spoke recently to a friend who was uh, helping arrange care for her aging father, and he was facing a significant surgery. And she called me to kind of process this, this sending. And it was after the fact, and she was just running through the litany of, of things, trying to process her experience. And like many child relationships, she loves her dad, but they tangled over some issues and had some tension along the way. And uh, this was a significant moment. And so there's this curiosity as she sent her dad back into surgery. She wondered, does he know I love him? Does he know that we're, we're cool about the time we argued about this? Does he know that the grandkids think he's a wonderful grandfather? 
She wondered, you know, he's been in church his whole life, does, but does he really know that God loves him? And of course, the worry then she's processing, what if he doesn't wake up? Or what if he does come out of the surgery, but he's different? He's changed, angry, quiet, sullen, whatever it is. What do I say before they take him back to surgery? And you know what? She didn't come up with any fancy words. We don't need to be fancy in this conversation. I said, what did you do? She said, I, I high-fived him, and I said, love you, Dad. And they took him back, and they were both crying. You know, it was a sacred moment. Another mom I know asked, you know, what do I tell my child when I drop them off for the inpatient program? I won't see them for a couple of weeks. What do I say? Another friend was telling me about how she funded a trip for her brother to go on a vacation. And she said it might be his last vacation. He's on the liver transplant list. And if he doesn't get a liver, she sent him on what could be his last vacation. Sendings are significant because they signal the crossing of a threshold. You know, threshold, obviously, the wooden part of a doorway or um, in physics or science, you know, when a limit is reached, a boiling point or a pressure point, something changes at that moment. And you can't change it back when we cross certain thresholds in our spiritual lives. A friend who has had cancer said, you know, once you have cancer, you can't ever not have cancer. It, you can be in remission or your cancer can be cured, but you can't ever go back over the threshold of the time that cancer wasn't part of your vernacular, wasn't part of your life. We move across new spaces. Thresholds matter. And you see thresholds all throughout Scripture. Jesus is sending people into spaces from which they cannot return. And this is why when Jesus heals people, both spiritually and physically, they are elated. They have crossed a threshold. They will never have a moment where that isn't part of their story. And it's also why Jesus frustrated so many people because Jesus pointed out thresholds. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Cross this threshold and go do this instead with your resources, with your money, with your time, with your worship, with your career, whatever it is. People didn't always want to cross the threshold. And sometimes Jesus almost pushes them across. He's not always easy with his words. He's strong with what he says. And people don't want always to cross the threshold. But this is part of the sending process. We realize sending means inviting people to cross certain thresholds. So two things before we leave about sendings. Two notes about how we can practice sending in this world that we live in today. First thing is to remember that we are sent ones. We have been sent by God. God has filled a measure of the kingdom of heaven inside of us. God has sent us with purpose, with call, with voice, with ability, with a great mind or a great heart, whatever it is, we have been sent. We have been filled up with love and sent for a purpose. God doesn't just create people beautifully and wonderfully and then bloop, leave them there. And you walk by, you're like, that's a nice spiritual person. And there's another one there and another one there, like a, like a garden or something. That's not how it works. We're sent with a purpose. It's like this giant holy conduit. It just flows through. You're sent with a purpose. We are sent people. Some of you, that makes sense. Some of you are like, yeah, I do feel like God loves me. I do have a sense of 
being called to something. I maybe can't articulate it, but I feel like, yeah, I, I feel that. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Or some of you are like, you know what? I don't feel like I've ever been sent anywhere. Certainly not by anybody who loves me. Maybe I've been thrown to the wolves, but I don't feel like I've been sent. Maybe I've been shoved some places in my life, but you might feel more like you need someone to be sent to you. Like fear or trauma or something is lurking in a place in your life and you just don't feel sent. That's okay too. The reality is we are all sent though. We have life and breath we have a God who loves us, who has created us, who Psalm 139 says, knit us together and put us here and moved us and sent us. We are sent people. Therefore, the second thing is we are then senders. We are created in the image of ascending God. We have been sent and therefore we are invited to send others. And that's gonna look different for all of us, but there's things that we're invited to in our life. And maybe it's mentoring or coaching or instructing or praying or guiding or quietly coming alongside or grabbing the hand when someone's like, I don't know what's happening. And you go, I don't know either, but we're in it together and we're with God in it. We are sent and we are senders. We are invited to bring that peace of the kingdom of heaven into the places in our world across the thresholds that so desperately need it. Our Christian liturgies are structured with sending. You know, every week when the pastor gets up at the end and does this, it's a benediction. Some of you sneak out early and you miss it. Stay today. There's no Bears game on. What is that moment? It is a liturgical, ancient moment. You know what happens in that moment? The pastor basically says, we've all been in it together, instructing, learning about what God wants us to know, the instructions God has sent to us. Now, let's try not to mess it up. <laughs> Go and be blessed. Be sent out into your life to send others. We don't think much of these seemingly ordinary moments, as certainly no, I don't. When my kids go to school or my husband leaves for work or whatever, we're not like, may the Lord bless you and keep you. You know, we're just, okay, bye, have a good day, you know, half asleep when somebody leaves. Most of us don't. But the reality is we have to think about how we pour into and build up people in these ordinary everyday moments. Because you never know when you send somebody out to something ordinary that isn't going to come home from. I mean, some ordinary sendings end with a phone call and words like head-on collision or missing. And I mean, pick any week in the news cycle in this country and you know that people have sent people to school and to grocery stores for seemingly normal things and they've just not come home from those places. Now, I'm not trying to be dramatic and say that every time we send people out the door, we've got to have that in us, but the reality is you never know what simple sending is going to be a threshold that nobody crosses back from. And so have this in your mind. If you've never said to the people you love that you bless them, that you want holy, beautiful, good things for them, that you want a good day for them. But what does a good day mean if you've never defined that for the people you love? Do it. If you've never sat with someone in a quiet presence and just said, the kingdom of God is with you, 
We don't have to have fancy words for this. But this is in us to do. And in seemingly ordinary ways, in ordinary spaces, that's when the kingdom of God comes through. That's when we flourish. That's when life in this world that we share begins to honor and begins to glorify God. We are sent people. So be a people who sends. I'll close with this. There's a, um, one of the uh, most beloved and treasured sendings in Scripture is from the Old Testament, from number 6. Um, and Moses is getting ready to send the people of God into the promised land. Moses is not going with them. So he sends Aaron, and they begin to make their movement. And God says to Moses, this is what I want you to tell the people. And this blessing has been passed down for thousands of years. It's probably three or 4,000 years old. And in Jewish communities and in synagogues and in Jewish places of worship and in Christian places of worship, this has been sent as ascending. We say this here, you'll hear Pastor Dan and other pastors here say it when we baptize children. And so if you're looking for words, you can use these words until you find maybe some of your own that God's given you. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his face toward you and give you peace. This is what God says when he sends Aaron and he sends his people and he continues to say words like this today. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for making us a sent people. Thank you for sending us, for sending your son into this world, for creating in us love and mercy and justice and peace and making us people who seek your presence in this world. Thank you for filling us up with all that is yours. Thank you for sending us. Lord, we pray now that you would make us senders, that you would give us the space, that you would give us the time, the attention, to send people into seemingly ordinary moments in life that are thresholds that bring us closer to you. Make us people who send well. In Jesus' name, everyone together said, amen. <laughs>